Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Ortari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who thinks that if we can just get all the soldiers in Vietnam laid, the whole Middle East problem will be solved. Yeah, I mean, because uh, Vietnam is just the linchpin of <laughs> the, the Middle entire East, Middle the entire East, really. What's really fascinating about that to me, Adam, is that like half of that statement is still a thing you could talk about when you are like sh- talking about politics in the modern era. Yeah. Like that's an un- yeah. an upsetting thing to think about. But <laughs> Vietnam is still the linchpin of the Middle East is is what you're saying. Well, there. I mean, <laughs> I you know, Viet- yeah, sure, that's what I'm saying. And this week we are continuing our John Cassavetes box set, uh, five films by John Cassavetes. Uh, we are watching Faces from 1968, a uh, a weirdly intense little drama. Yeah. Uh, That's a, a phrase you could use to describe it. Which uh, which is a phrase that can just describe uh, at least film. both this and next week's film. Um. Both starring Gina Rowlands, who was Cassavetes' wife um, at the time and until his death in 1989. So let's just be clear. We can just um, say... His wife. His wife. I mean, so often, so right, often yes, when I we know. talk we, about we, we have a director's the the wife, like, oh, it's, it's only for his this wife window for the three of three years, years while they film. made this yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, whereas... We had we we touched on her briefly last week uh, in talking about the rights um, to uh, to shadows, um, which she is in, uh, but it's an uncredited role. Uh, she's one of the one of the people in the nightclub audience, so we won't bother to get into this uh, with next week's episode. But next week, uh, the film stars her and Peter Falk. And she did have a guest spot on Columbo in 1975. Um, oh boy! To bring that one back, uh, I doubt. I doubt it was a recreation. She does not play Mrs. Columbo, um, <laughs> which was its own series, I believe, if I remember Are correctly. You, I, there was a Mrs. Columbo oh, series geez. eventually, uh, but uh, really, <laughs> but I that doubt it's quite as that episode of Columbo. I doubt is quite as intense as uh, as a woman under the influence. Yeah, I would. I would hope not. Week. Yeah. Uh, but this week it is Faces, um, not quite as, uh, not quite as intense as a woman under the influence, but, but Casavetes has a tendency to go real, uh, real gritty. Um, but also this one especially, um, feels more like a bunch of acting exercises, like everyone's improving a conversation uh instead of uh acting out of film, right? Yeah, no that one you know, I feels... mean, it's weird that Shadows was more improv-y. Yeah. So, uh, presumably. But this one feels yeah. more like no one knows what the other person's going to say until they say it. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's the thing. Shadows was advertised as an improv film. It ultimately wasn't really an improv film. The progenity of the film was improv. Everything was improv out, and then they wrote it down and used that script as an actual shooting Right, but was this one actually improv? I don't think so, right? Where this one, no one talks about this one being improv Um, Because I don't think it was. I think it's just like weird dialogue, that's all. I mean, I think it's just like, in the the end, it's just kind of, the dialogue is just weird. Like, I think in his attempt to get, like, achieve uh, Cinema Verite, like, it was like, well, I I know how people talk. Confusing. Yeah. Well, the other thing is the uh, the Criterion essay for this one brings up a very interesting uh, idea. Um, again, drawing from the fact that this feels like uh, acting exercises more than anything, there is a fairly common acting exercise in improv classes where uh, um, the actors are assigned suddenly a different emotion to play the scene. Right. And it almost feels like maybe that's happening here. Because, yeah, no, no, because I every so often no, yeah. someone will just suddenly suddenly get angry or very sad or very sullen. I assume uh, that the excuse is cocaine. <laughs> well, I think I think within universe, uh, substance abuse is definitely an excuse. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not I'm uh, I'm not actually joking. Yeah. I'm being serious right You're now. You're not. Like, I mean, I am I, uh, to a certain extent joking, but like, I think we're supposed to interpret this as like all these people are like unstable because they are, you know, on drugs, on drugs, <laughs> or drunk out of yeah. their fucking minds, or yeah, have made bad life choices. This is a, yeah. essentially a yeah. film about bad life choices. Indeed. Indeed. And that's not to say that these the that people that the actors are suddenly changing emotionally because of substance abuse, but that the characters they're playing are doing this. Right. Yeah, well yeah. I wanna yeah. I wanna make that no, distinction. I hope I didn't say You're not like suggesting that. this movie was made on drugs, but this is a movie featuring people. No, I'm not who... going to say it wasn't made on drugs. <laughs> I'm not going to say Yeah. I'm not here to make Fair uh, enough. I'm not here to like Talking absolutes, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> uh, interestingly, um, this premiered in Toronto with a running time of 183 minutes. Um, the version we watched for the Criterion Collection uh, and what's on Filmstruck is 147 minutes. Uh, but the general release was actually 130 minutes. Huh. Um and uh, That's not confusing. Ray Carney, a guy named Ray Carney, uh, according to Wikipedia, accidentally found the extra 17 minutes. What? So wait, um, is this just going to be a He accidentally thing? found like, a print and of 147 on a minutes. Yeah. And I never it's saw not, it it's, I don't see... Well, that's that's what Casavetta said about shadows, right? Um, well, no, no. Remember, is, he thought he donated it, yeah. and then it actually turned out that he just left it on a bus. <laughs> yes, he which claimed, is fucking he claimed awesome. he lost it or donated, but he he left it on the subway. Uh, but uh, but a hundred forty seven minute cut was found, and that's what we get on the Criterion edition, um, which it, with as much digital remastering as you can do, 
of a film that is purposefully lit as if it is just shot in people's houses uh, where a bunch of drunk people uh, yell at each other. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean that's the movie, so, right? I mean, you can't fix... Yeah. I mean, black and... This sort of it's nothing to black fix, and white always right? kind of looks this way. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you say you can't fix it in digital, but it's not... It's... <laughs> Fixing this in digital and making it a clear picture would break uh, it. with with better contrast would break it. It's like there's a there was a joke video a few years ago, and I'm sure I brought this up on the podcast before. Uh, but uh, like ten years ago, there was a great video. I think it might even predate YouTube. Uh, of a uh, it was it was a a film crew or or some filmmakers announcing that th- with the use of today's technology they're going to fix the movie harvey <laughs> clearly in the original vision version eh, vision for harvey the rabbit existed so they're going to digitally add a oh six foot God. tall bunny to every scene of harvey but that's fucking and awesome they showed too. some examples where it's a very poorly cg'd not even really animated <laughs> i love it though i love it giant giant pink rabbit I and that would you know obviously they are Making fun of George Lucas, right? I mean, of course, uh, of course, but uh, but uh, with with Harvey or with digitally editing faces, you know, it's much more. Uh, I, I take a sort of hands off approach to George Lucas. He can he can do what he wants. It's his work. Fine, go ahead. Well, I I disagree it. with that fundamentally okay. because but. I mean, you and I will we we've talked about this before. Yes, but like it is we, not really his work that, anymore. Um, if we assume that death of the author is a thing that we are going to say is true, yeah. then the author purposely pulling their original yeah. work to replace it with another thing is kind of operating yeah. in violation of that sort of tenet. And that's that's where that's where George Lucas runs into problems. It's the the elimination like of access the, to the, the original. One. Yeah, no, I'm fine yeah. with a Ridley yeah. Scott who just releases eight thousand fucking versions of the same thing. <laughs> because fine, yes. okay, yeah, you keep writing that same novel, we'll keep. Maybe watching it, maybe not watching it. Yeah. Or why did I say novel? I fuck it. I don't know. I got confused because <laughs> my brain went to author and like, and, you know, it doesn't know. matter anyway. I have trouble. Not very rarely do people release different versions of the same novel, but but it has obviously happened. It's something happened. It absolutely has happened. And we get J.K. Rowling always coming out with with new details. Like this week, this week she announced that uh, Harry Potter's grandfather Henry Potter went by Harry. Okay. So there's two Harry Potters in the Harry yeah, Potter universe. Like, I mean, I feel like she just. I feel like it's honestly, like, what, is, what we've got into with, with J.K. Rowling, I don't have any major problem with her except for I think that she kind of probably regrets saying that she wasn't going to write anymore. Yeah. And it's like shit, man. I still want to write these things, but I already told everybody yeah. I'm not going to write any more of them. So, well, damn it. What do I'll I just do? like start making weird ass <laughs> announcements about the thing that I've already said is finished and the world is already exist as it exists and I can't edit it anymore. Yeah. Like where obviously these original ideas benefited from an editor <laughs> because the stuff she's just throwing right, out. It's on just Twitter. random ass shit. She's like, oh yeah, like this clearly is hasn't gone through any process. I had this weird fever dream one time when I was in the middle of writing the third <laughs> novel and, and his yeah. grandfather goes by Harry. Yeah. And also Jesus was there. 
I don't know. I just I assume because like if it's a fever yeah. dream, right? It's going to get religious at some point. Yeah. yeah. That's how they work. Um, probably. But yeah, uh, to get back to this movie, this is <laughs> no, one we're where, done. We're done where with this one. It's, it's fundamental problems from a Hollywood film standpoint are things that Cassavetes was doing on purpose. Right, to, yeah. To yeah. make it not a Hollywood film. The 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 graininess, the the staging where at times people in the frame are blocking your view of the action. Right, and I have no um, problem with that. I actually enjoy that si- style of filmmaking yeah. pretty good, like, a yeah. lot actually. But my issue with it is, is this: it, I actually really like this film in general, although I yeah. found it very confusing. Yeah, to, not, like, to be totally and fundamentally honest, like by the time I got done, I understood what was going on. But the first 20 minutes, I was like, who the fuck is anybody on the screen? <laughs> like, uh, which is a problem yeah. I don't usually have with cinema verite type style because usually we have such a, a limited cast of characters in that sort of environment that I can nail them down pretty quick. But this one yeah. was like, what? Who's that guy? Is that the same guy I saw earlier? Why does everybody look the same? <laughs> uh, yeah, it doesn't ha- help that... We get we get Dickie and Freddie and Jeannie in that opening scene, right. and they're all drunken and singing to each other, and and until who was it? Fred, uh, is it Dickie who suddenly gets jealous of Freddie? Uh, Dickie the is the main character, around. along with uh, Dickie Jeannie, is the one right? we follow, right? Je- no, no, no. It's then it's it then yeah. it's it's the other one. Wait, wait. Freddie is the shorter guy. Freddie is the uh, one with, with the mustache. mustache. Yeah, Freddie's the one who starts yeah. causing trouble. In general, yeah. Dickie, despite being an asshole, also doesn't yeah. usually start the trouble. Well, <laughs> except in conversation with his wife. Well, right. I mean, I mean when, in terms of like dealing with yeah. these sort of outside entities, because he also starts yeah. the trouble with Jeannie too. Like he says yeah. asshole things to her too, but he doesn't say. He's not the one who starts saying like dumbass shit when he's dealing with these other guys. <laughs> True enough. I, I I was talking in terms of like the bike getting yeah. into like punch like fisticuffs type of starting things, not the in terms of like saying really jerky things to the women around him because he's yeah. incredibly good at yeah. doing that. <laughs> yeah, Dicky is Dicky is good enough to uh, to only be a jerk to women when he's the the only person, yeah, the only guy in the room. In the room. Yeah. Someone someone has to do it. Yeah, well, so. yeah. I mean, let's be honest here. It is a requirement. It is apparently it, according to it is 1968. As so. well, from based on what I've seen so far, according to Casavetes, yes, it is a requirement. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's just it's it's true to life, though, right? I guess. Yeah, I mean, if you know only assholes. Yeah. Yes, everybody and, I know is know, an living... asshole. So this is absolutely accurate. Living in L.A. and then – or living in New York and then moving to uh, L.A., perhaps he only knows assholes. It's really possible. Yeah, it's totally possible. Well, it's it's a weird thing. Like I'm I'm hoping – and I have no information one way or the other that Casavetes is not, in fact, this much of a sexist. Yeah. But, man, maybe he is. Because, like, the guys who – because he doesn't exactly, like, make them the good guys, right? So, I mean – if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, his films, yeah. because they lack 
like good guys and bad guys. It, it's harder to say that the film is overtly sexist because, well, this guy's clearly an asshole, but so is everybody else. So it's a, it's a hard. The movie is it, he's a he's a hard one to pin down. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Um, I do love that opening scene that seems to be outside the film where they're like screening it. I wasn't real sure what was yeah, going no, on. Yeah, no, that's well that now you've you've uh, na- you've landed on the thing that confused the fuck out of me, Adam. Yeah, I know, right? Because because we don't actually open on Genie and the guys. We open on we the open... characters watching the film. Start. Yeah. Which is fucking confusing. <laughs> and it seems to be the characters and yeah. not the actors, right? Yeah, no, it's very very confusing. It is Yeah. They managed to find a way to confuse the shit out of me. Yeah. And, and then the one guy said, oh, it's the Dulce Vita of commercial film. And and, and I think he's talking to uh, to Freddy uh, and, and just stares at him. It's like, oh, no, I don't mean to say it's true. That's just what they're saying about it. Um, yeah. No, it's it's really like... And then, and then that never comes back too, which makes it even worse. Right? No, because it's just a thing. Yeah, there's no exists. like closing of that. Yeah, no, it's it's. Just... it's... is a weird ass fucking dude. Yeah, like, in a very mundane way. Like he's not weird in the sort of like, you know, we've like Carl Dreyer or Berman or something like that, where it's like, I'm going to make you feel very bad right now. Yeah. Whereas he, it's like Casavetes is just like feels mundane but everything about it is like upsetting and sad and and weird a little bit too because like people's interactions are not just upsetting and and depressing they're also just not they don't feel real well that's the thing though this movie is bergman-esque in what it wants to do with emotion oh yeah for sure um and even Success, successfully does. I say it wants to oh, yeah. do. As I would. It I would agree. Like I mean, I was emotionally in, in, enthralled. Yeah, it obviously he he's a very different style to Bergman. Oh, yeah, you know, Bergman yeah. would have this be slow burns, and you know, I'm reminded of uh, scenes from a marriage. You know, where it would be like the where they reconcile over wanting to sign the divorce papers and end up having, having sex in like her office. Yeah. Uh, and he slaps her in scenes in a marriage. No, I remember. Um, yeah. You Which know, is weird. That, I know that's, it sounds that's weird, sort but of... I do actually remember that, that movie for some reason. <laughs> well, that, yeah. that series that's, of movies. Uh, yeah. That, uh, that reminds me of the sort of sudden emotional change that happens here. Well, it's right, just, that is a, it's basically a hallmark. It's even of made perhaps a little more ex- extreme. Um, so it's it's doing similar things. Uh, it's just doing them in in very different ways, in very much more on the ground and in your face ways than Bergman. Well, right, because because probably Casabay was comfortable is doing <laughs> to, to replicate the cinema verite style, which is not a thing that Bergman yeah. has any apparent interest in doing. <laughs> no, no, Bergman, Bergman, yeah, exactly. Like, I would I would be fascinated to know his opinion, like Bergman's opinion of Cassavetes work. Yeah. Because I bet Bergman actually likes it, but would never want to do it. 
I think that's probably true. <laughs> uh, but I would like to actually hear least, him say it. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I would from enjoy what we've seen, that. From what we've seen of Bergman, that is that is almost certainly uh, certainly true. Uh, but, I mean, in terms of, maybe, like, hitting you on emotions, like, fucking Casavetes knows how to do it. Yeah. He knows how to make you feel things. For fucking sure. Like, we're, we're talking yeah. about faces now. I, I'm excited to talk about... Uh, about um, what's the name of the next one? Oh, Woman under yeah, the influence. I always forget. Uh, Woman under the influence because I feel that is more emotionally impacting than faces is because I think yeah. Woman under the influence is more uh, from a st- storytelling point of view more sound and robust, and thus yeah. like Casavetes' skill at manipulating emotions becomes more clear because I can actually fucking understand the story. <laughs> And that's the thing, and we'll get into this next week, but A Woman Under the Influence is much more of a straightforward Hollywood drama. Well, it is, but, in a but lot it's of got a lot of Casavetes style in it, which makes it still got yeah. a lot of that. It still looks like a dude with a handy cam fucking ran around. Well, I think part of that also is that A Woman Under the Influence has an actor we both recognize. That's true. Acting yeah. in ways that <laughs> we, that do we not aren't recognize. used to him being. No, so I was still kind of waiting acting. for him to interrogate somebody, though. Let's be clear. Just here. one more thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, 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 one, just more one more thing. thing. One more thing. Uh, <laughs> but uh, whereas this one is still very much outsider art. Well, yeah, um, for sure. And not, and, and, but like, it's not. But it's not as outsider art as outsider art can get. I don't think. I mean, yes, I don't know. I exactly. mean, this is what and year, it's not outsider. Faces was what year. Uh, 68 is one right. of the Right, so at that point, uh, like... Apparently this, he started this, working on on 65. This but. style is... I got to believe that this style is very well established by 68. The sort of, like, yeah. cinema very sort of thing, right? Is g- going... Almost, like, I have to look it up now. I don't fucking know. <laughs> it is also uh, true that this wasn't so much outsider that it wasn't nominated for an Oscar. Right, exactly. Yeah, sure that, which was. is just not a thing that happens to true outsider art, right? So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, uh, Cinema Veritas, I think, really got its start in the early fifties. I believe. I yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I'm actually looking at so, the web page now. So we're we're good on that. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying is that, like, well, when was, like, we talked about, um, Chloe, ah, shit. I did it again. Chloe from 9 to 5. Yeah. It's not 9 to 5, Very, though. 9 to 5. It's it's 5 to 7. Yeah, you and I have, like, I can't remember her name. I can never remember. remember. Which is hilarious to me. Uh, um, yeah, Chloe 5 to 7 it's not is, even like, Chloe. is this and came out before 68. I mean, it's not as violent, for sure, but, like, it's the Cleo, style. not Chloe. Um, wrong. Did it come out after sixty-eight? Oh boy, it came out in sixty-two. In okay, fact. all right. Well, yeah, because we talked about it with um, shadows. Yeah, and it had come out around the same time as shadows, I believe. Yeah, but my my point is just that, like, while his style of emotional manipulation is is very uniquely his, his cinematography style is not particularly right. new or anything like that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But we still are comparing it to foreign films, right? This isn't necessarily well, right, something right, happening but, in but America. To be fair, um, every <laughs> outsider art in America tends to be just 
some doing what someone else did oh. style yeah in france well um, or, or, like in other times in like argentina and stuff but yeah france usually. yeah italy occasionally yeah true enough but some what what some <laughs> clever foreigner came up with <laughs> we'll just we'll do what they do now the uh, the criterion essay is very uh, very explicit to point out that while this may be breaking a lot of Hollywood conventions, Hollywood had been breaking its own convention since Hollywood existed, uh, citing Thanks, Charlie Wikipedia. Chaplin's very first Little Tramp film, uh, Kid Auto Races at Venice, um, and and citing a couple more examples from the teens and the twenties uh, and pre code films where non-Hollywood things happen. Right. Although, <laughs> just, what's an interesting... But that's... that's Yeah. It's an interesting thing because he's he's saying that they were breaking the code, and I don't mean the Hayes Code, but the, the code of, of how a Hollywood film, the language of a Hollywood film. But he's citing examples from before that was really codified, right? Right. But I think <laughs> it wasn't you, you until you the Hayes still, Code came into... I mean, a fairly in, good, into enforcement right that hollywood films became hollywood films right that's true although i think you and i with this program have encountered enough should have been hollywood mainstream films that went left or went right in a weird way yeah. that like it is a thing that has happened throughout the history of hollywood it's yeah funny. obviously i mean it's just like when we're watching a movie and we're like well if that was not what i expected and you know, we that is true of Hollywood, but like what makes it true is that the where you run into an issue is that, that that's one out of every fucking five hundred, if that. Yeah. That does something weird, right? Whereas like something like this that's an outsider film so like essentially breaks it like every single time. You know what I mean? If you're Cassavetes, you're you're purposely operating opposite of that mainstream sort of understanding of what a film ought to be whereas if you're inside of the hollywood mainstream occasionally things just get made that like probably shouldn't have yeah does that make sense i mean like it's a that argument is interesting but also based on a sort of miss kind of guided kind of rhetoric about like how many films get made that just follow the path versus how many get made that kind of veer left or right yeah and the numbers play Whereas, out where, like, everybody knows what a Hollywood film is, partially because, yes, the rules are codified, but also partially because that one that goes weird is one out of a thousand. Yeah. And this isn't, uh, this isn't something that starts out Hollywood-esque and then goes weird. No, uh, exactly. No, this is, this starts off as a very purposeful attempt to make this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if anything, this starts off Fellini-esque in that everyone is coming into a movie, yeah, a movie theater, theater to, to watch, watch the, the movie. movie that they're in. That's more yeah. Goddard, I think, actually, even than Fellini. But, but that, well, Fellini does it. Well, I think, yeah, I think you're right. But yeah, Fellini, they Fellini both kind of do it sometimes. I can't think of a specific examples where either of them do it necessarily. Except, well, what was the you know, who obviously, made the one with the car crash at the end? That was uh, contempt, and in contempt, and in eight and a half. They're movies about making movies, right. so we get this sort of meta commentary on the film itself while they're watching which the is dailies a, which is a or different whatever. thing than this because uh, yeah. this is 
you know, these people are not the people in the film, as far as we can tell. <laughs> no. they, or they are not the actors, they are the people in the film. It's very weird. Yeah, it's very weird. It's very weird. Um, I can't remember. There's probably introductions that happened, too, that I wasn't paying attention to. So, no, you know, it doesn't matter I don't think there was. Whether or not I'm told it was Freddy before I know who Freddy is. So. No, okay, so what there is, but, like, you don't... Because remember, before we get to watch the, them sitting down to the film, doesn't... Does the scene where they're all in the kind of weird room with the secretaries happen before or after that? Yeah, yeah, it's them coming into the secretaries, and then and they enter the into film, the... Right? The screening so, room, and, and then we I, actually start the characters the movie aren't introduced with... there, but like those kind of like a shit ton of people around a table introduce each other. Seems yeah. I tend to zone out a little bit because <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because like, well, oftentimes in these kind of movies, they don't actually turn out to be important scenes. And it's even if they're like lining up to introduce themselves to one guy, it's it's a sort of confusing thing that's happening. Right. I mean, and, it's yeah. let's be clear here. It's a confusing thing that happens even in real life when 18 people yeah. fucking tell you so tell you their names at the same time and you're like, <laughs> exactly. "Fuck, I don't remember. I don't even remember my name now." Yeah. Yeah. I get five people shaking my hand and saying, "I'm John, I'm Steve." Yeah, I'm, and you're like, "I'm not I'm going not to remembering remember which one's which." Of you. Yeah. Exactly. And you're probably exactly. not going to remember me, so let's just call it even, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is confusing, and, and in a film, it's worse. Yeah. Because you even lack sort of that personal investment in, like, fucking figuring out who these people are. Yeah, and no matter no matter how uh, Verita you're filming it, I will never feel like I'm inside the movie in a scene like that. No, no, you're sort <laughs> of like, I was... Well, yeah, no, Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to zone out for a little while. You let me know when there's <laughs> things I should be paying attention to. Mostly because that's the sort of scene in real life where I just kind of zone out. <laughs> so, yeah. Nope. Same yeah. here. Yep. Nope. Yep. Um, <laughs> me too. Personal, personal issues. All right. Yeah, you and I both struggle a lot with interpersonal relationships. That's true. Yeah. Um, but apparently so does Cassavetti. So that's cool. <laughs> We're yeah. in good company. Because I, I refuse to believe that a person can make these kind of films without dealing – it has to be dealing with some some internal stuff too, right? It just has to be. Yeah. Because these, these films go are, – are rough. They are just plain old rough. Yeah. And we know from like interviews with Bergman that he's always dealing with personal shit. <laughs> and we know from exactly. interviews with Fellini that he's always not dealing with personal shit. Purposefully, yeah, I mean, like actively <laughs> avoiding dealing with it while still acknowledging that it exists. But that's his style, yes. right? That's where his art comes from, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Art born <laughs> of of not dealing with my own problems. Yeah. And Goddard's always just trying to interpret his personal shit through the other movies he's watched. So. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, We're really getting a so. I just, just I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with Cassavetes. Is what I'm saying. Um, well, let's talk about the title then. Faces uh, implies in what we're doing and who we're talking, the characters we meet, that this is um, um, the faces we put on, you know. Right. And, I assumed and, that we were getting some and the faces Billy Joel type shit going on here. Yeah. Um, and in, in fact, the, the Criterion essay even call, the author calls it masks and faces and talks about 
specific times in the movie where there's an unmasking. Um, where okay, you know, when's that? Where Freddie suddenly becomes jealous. Oh, okay. I mean, um, you mean unmasking in an emotional sense? I was like, are there literal yeah. unmaskings in this film? <laughs> there's, no, there's, scenes? there's no Scooby Doo scenes. There's no Scooby Doo scenes. Dicky was uh, Freddie all along. Yeah, or when when Dicky and uh, and Maria are having their conversation, and and you know they're they're actually. You know they're flirting with each other. They're very clearly in love, despite the fact that Dickie is just, as far as we know, arrived home from from a night with a prostitute, um, who we will eventually see uh, him get into a relationship with. Uh, you know, she she suddenly says something about uh, the woman's point of view, and that's yeah, and he loses he his shit. Like it's a very weird... loses his shit and yeah. demands a divorce. You know, yeah, it's a, it's all very that's very weird too because like that's where we get into this sort of like I can't figure out how much of a sexist Cassavetes actually Cassavetes. is because you know you can't exactly interpret the characters as like analogous to the man who makes the film, right? But like, yeah, like Freddie loses his fucking mind over the idea that like women have any sort of like difficulties in their lives or like a perspective worth listening to like he like loses his fucking mind it's very quick it is yes definitely an unmasking but like it's an unmasking of a very like pretty serious personal flaw so i i would love to i i kind of want to know where cassavetes comes in relation to that Yeah. Uh, well, maybe I don't want to know because I don't. Well, it might be. Either. It might be something that uh, in these two films, his wife plays uh, a suicidal woman. Right. That, and you <laughs> wonder about that, right? That's another thing. But he also yeah. is. It's not. A, it is not one of those things that we've encountered and talked about before, where like he was married to her until the third film of this series or something like that. I mean, like he's married yeah. to her for the rest of their lives. So, or, well, yeah. his life. Well, his life. Yeah. Yeah. But like that. That also must mean something in terms of like. Yeah. To be fair, Fellini and uh, and Massini stayed married. Uh, you know, throughout right, their right. Lives. But the main so, issue he's dealing with in almost every film is the fact that he can't fucking stop cheating on her. Yeah, it's like fifty percent like of the issues is like I just can't stop. I think the I'm real the real thing where where you're having trouble gauging what Casavetes might be like and and trying to uh, figure him out from the movie is that there's no real clear author insert. In right. And, and With you're, Fellini, you're, you're hoping, Fellini, I mean, we know yeah, exactly who, we know is, who yeah, Fellini's yeah. supposed That's to true. be. That's true. And you kind of think it might be Freddy, but it probably isn't Freddy. It's, it's a little hard to figure <laughs> yeah. out. Yeah. And I think okay. Casavetes is just that. literally uh, – Going for a greater truth and recording I, I, his life around yeah, him I would, more than yes, I think so. I think you know, right. the thing, the thing with Fellini is that it's all still edifice, right? He's he's right. He's still a yeah. Even even in film, he is constructing a false face that to yeah. present to the people because he cannot, in fact, yeah. present you with actual Fellini. Yeah. Um, well, not on purpose. He does it all on accident all the fucking time. Yeah. Whereas whereas Cassavetes here... Cassavetes literally once said, my films are truth. 
Um, well, and, and that is that is pretentious. Yes, it is. But also, like, I'm not going to exactly argue. Like, I mean, it is a person's truth for sure. Yeah. Like, especially, like, when you think about the fact that he is dealing, obviously, with a certain person in certain situations that you and I maybe don't have a lot of personal experience with. Yeah. I can't argue that he's wrong. Um, I don't – I have never gone on – drug-fueled rants at my wife immediately after having sex with a hooker. That has never happened to me. Yeah. Probably never will happen to me. Uh, so I don't know what those conversations are like. Yeah. Um, and maybe because <laughs> doesn't know either, maybe he just knows people who do know, or who knows. But the, the only reason I bring it up is just because so often with these, these films about pers- like personal, ex- not personal experiences, but like truth, I guess, or or human interaction we end up having to talk about the director as a part of that and we just don't have that capability with Casavetes that we have with other with other uh directors yeah not yet we might by the time this is over if we see yeah we're getting sort of a crash course in Casavetes right now so we may we may discover some some you know if this like my wife wants to commit suicide uh pattern continues we may have some insight are you making suggestions, John? Exactly. Um, are you trying to trying to get her to do something? <laughs> or, or, yeah, are they suggestions, or is this a plea for help? Yeah. No. Uh, and that's that's the other thing. It's also a sort of um, if we're reading Casabetus into anyone, it's a projection of himself onto his wife perhaps. Or, yeah. You or, kind of or, wonder, or, right? Because, because she also doesn't exactly read like, yeah. It, yeah. as weird as it Fel- may sound like in many ways, the two women we've encountered in these films thus far, well, three, I guess if you count the one we haven't talked about, but don't exactly read like real women. Exactly. Yeah. Not, don't get me wrong. The other people don't exactly real necessarily read like real people either. It's just I I think that's a that's a cultural disconnect to yes that's also to true. the sixties yeah. right from us yeah and that's I don't know that it's necessarily that they're unrealistic to the era um, I think I think they would probably feel very real to audiences um, and watching this uh, post first wave feminism we get a very different uh, idea these are these are women who. Who exist in a time when that movement was just getting started. Right. That's you know, But, but still... at the same time, you and I have, because of the sort of the nature of the way he's trying to film these, it does produce an odd disconnect from what we've gotten in a lot of the films we've watched. Because a lot of the films we've watched, not a lot, but we have encountered quite a few films that feel very progressive about the role of women in society, despite having been made pre-feminism. I mean, it's not always the case but it has happened often enough that i have strong recall of saying wow that was like really i love you know the way that like you know the sort of that we'd want him to be a stronger character or want her to be right we want ladies exactly but we also want to see demonstrations personally of like yeah them having a little bit more power although to be fair uh especially in this one in faces i mean the wife does demonstrate a fair amount of you know, yeah, Rollins' character here yeah. here has has control. 
um, it's just to a certain extent, and as much as anyone else has control, right? Well, exactly, right? exactly. And I, I think that's in the end is it's that's what makes it hardest to deal with is because his goal is to generate something that th- feels authentic. We don't have yeah. an actual main character, so we don't, and people don't have specific roles in terms of film. They just have roles in terms of society. Yeah. So yeah, and, she's a fairly strong, independent woman, but is also placed in a universe where everybody's a fuck up. Yeah, yeah, and that's the whole point of the movie is right. that well, exactly, is a fuck exactly. Up. So, yeah. She's she's got a she's she is also she's a fuck, fuck up, up too. just like everybody uh, else. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh so, you know, she she still has her own problems and and obviously uh <coughs> Well, but what you probably the problem I find with her oh, go ahead, sorry. I was going to say within her view of herself um no, for whatever reason that she uh, ends up having sex with Chet, the 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 weird young guy they meet at the Whiskey A Go Go. Yeah, yeah. Good, um, good old Chet. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, good it's know off Chet. camera that that it's... she takes the pills and and Chet spends the next like five minutes trying to revive her. Yeah, um, yeah. You know she. Well, I mean, she has some amount of shame there, I guess. Right, is for what sure. And, but, Whereas, but yeah, go ahead. We get less of an indication of. It's in those like Chet has a little bit of shame in the scene that introduces where they're in the living room, and and he suddenly says, "What's he say? He, he says, you know, we're all we're making fools of ourselves." Yeah, no that that's a yeah. very weird scene in and of itself because. Yeah. He gets suddenly very sort of judgmental about the entire situation that he Yeah, and himself, yeah. right? Well, you yeah, know. for sure. It's it's of ourselves. Yeah. Uh and and you know, it's it's just there's not a lot of sort of overt shame in this movie. No, there's not. Well, uh, well yeah, but I think reconciliation at the end uh you know, we get the they're all very deeply dissatisfied yeah. with their well, lives, and that's, I guess. And that's, that's really exactly. That's one of the, the more fascinating things about this film is because the goal is this sort of documentary, pseudo-documentary style. We don't, we're not actually building true narrative, but there is a plot line. But because of that, like, we don't get the same sort of, like, beats that we would expect in a normal narrative story, right? Um, yeah. And And the result is, yeah, you get a lot of people just, like, "Quote unquote being people on screen, but it's that's harder to deal with when you are removed by a solid what fifty almost yeah fifty years. Is that like you don't actually know what people in nineteen fifty or nineteen was it nineteen sixty eight? Yeah, we don't actually know what you and I don't have experience with people in nineteen sixty eight. Yeah, and that that creates a very weird experience that I think you and I both responded to, you know, as best we could. But it's still challenging. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, <laughs> this is very, very much switching course. Uh, but I just clicked over to the French Wikipedia page. Uh-huh. 
Uh, and it's not, the translation's not great. Uh, but apparently at some point uh, during filming, and it did, it did take three years. Like I said, he started this in 1965. Apparently at some point, uh, Lady Rawlins, who is uh, Gina Rawlins' mother, um, and actually plays her mom in the next film uh, that we'll talk about. Uh, apparently her poodle uh, peed on the film at one point and destroyed what? destroyed a chunk of the movie. What? <laughs> this is... Cassavetes, what the fuck, man? Just like, keep your shit together, please. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. Oh, man. Um, though, to be fair, uh, the French the French Wikipedia also claims that the original runtime was uh, over four hours, um, whereas the, the English language and all information I can find uh, says the Toronto showing was 183 minutes, which is just over three hours. So, In the so, France, so whoever wrote the French version. one might just... Might just be speaking in hyperbole. Possibly, yeah. Um, or making stuff up. But uh, I like the idea that French Wikipedia is just, just, a, just a bit of lies. <laughs> no Nothing, one knows anything. Yeah, no, it's an American movie. We don't care. Yeah, nah, we didn't bet it. We have no idea. Um, <laughs> this movie is about dogs also, peeing on things. Also, according to the, uh, the French Wikipedia, Charlton Heston... Uh, was uh was a thorn in the side of this movie uh because they made it in LA uh you know it's set in LA um but uh apparently a lot of a lot of people working on the film were uh weren't being paid they were just volunteering uh cuz they're Casavetta's friends you know they're just making this movie uh, and Charles and Heston was the head of the union at the time and was very very mad at them for doing that that sounds about right <laughs> Uh, again, one line from the French Wikipedia that's poorly translated, so that might not not be true at all. But, um, but an interesting thing nonetheless. I like uh, the idea that from now on we're just going to troll various Wikipedias, hoping to find new information. See what's up. Well, now well, that the they French eliminated our IMDb to read because they just made now, shit up. Now that they got rid of the IMDb message boards, I gotta find, yeah, you gotta find my weird information lies somewhere. somewhere else. Yeah. Um, the uh, the wide release 130 minute, minute version um, I, I initially thought that maybe that extra 17 minutes was when I first started this up I assumed that that first 5 minutes that was just of everyone here. filing in was just not in the original and then I figured maybe there'll be like 10 minutes of this at the end that won't be in it but then that never happened. So, um, no, according I, to Ray Carney, who knows what's absent, right? Yeah, according to Carney, the guy who who found the footage, there are quote numerous differences between the two cuts, um, which might be interesting. All but contained the, within uh, fifteen minutes. All contained within fifteen minutes. Yeah, the, the, the original film makes total sense, and uh, you know, like yeah, the plot is. Uh, Perfect. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but on the uh, on the Criterion DVD, there is an alternate 18-minute opening sequence. 
<laughs> oh god, that's horrible. Um, which might just be an expansion of that that opening scene. I really, I I wish well, I had wait. Time where did to that version it, come from? Yeah, I, I don't. Where where did the eighteen <laughs> minute opener come from? It's just it's just we random just had stuff. To, we found this on a bus. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Like, I really do like Cassavetti's work, but like his ability to manage his own shit seems dubious at best. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know where this scene came from. I found it. Well, actually, somebody else found yeah. it. I donated it or left it on a train. Yeah. So I think ultimately, you know, we talked about. Uh, um. We've talked a lot, a lot of things, uh, but but I keep coming back to to mentally comparing this to scenes from a marriage. Yeah, and I, I, and, and ultimately Bergman Bergman has an intellectualism in his existentialism that's very like standoffish. Um, right. Well, I mean, not like, in a Berg, bad way. There's a, but there's, it's a just... thing, there's a reason why Bergman films kind of naturally for a lot of people equate to like doll films. Yeah, there's a lot of quiet, reflexive silence. Right, and and, and that's what you have to grow to love about it. And one of the reasons why yeah. we, I, we did not do justice to the first few Bergman films we watched. Because I did, well, <laughs> Probably, I mean, yeah. I legitimately, like, it's not as, as fucking messed up as this is going to sound. I did not know how to watch a Bergman film. Yeah. Whatever, fucking three years ago. Yeah. I just didn't. I didn't understand yeah, how that absolutely. was supposed to work. And now I do kind of understand that. And... There, there is something to be said for you know a thing that we will never yeah. do, which is go back. Casavetes wants the same authenticity of emotion, but without without uh, that, and that gets contemplativeness. It, but he doesn't have the, he doesn't have the contemplativeness and the quietness. He doesn't allow it. His world doesn't allow it. Right, and right? I, there's nothing. And wrong that's the point that. of this I movie mean, that Casav- the world doesn't allow right. it. Casavetes, in that sense, yes, is probably at least within his own perspective more authentic because. Who has time for self-reflection? Who has time for, yeah. you know, exploring your own demons? Because the world doesn't, for a lot of people, the world does not afford you that yeah. time. Or you do not take the time. world moves on. Right. But, and again, yeah. we do experience in these people that it is only partially true that the world does not afford you time. Because these people choose yeah. not to take the time. That yeah. Bergman characters are also, in many ways, very well. That, because they just the other there thing. are people who choose to take the time to think about what's going on around them, whereas Casavetti yeah. characters are people who choose not to. And those are both real people. Yes, they absolutely are, and that's what I'm saying. Is neither yeah. of these is more real than the other, but the difference being that like Casavetti's frantic pacing of kind of mundane things makes it feel almost removes the ability for the audience to think about whether or not this is more or less real. <laughs> Yeah, because you don't have, even the audience is not afforded the time to think about what's going on, and ultimately that's you know cultural differences between Scandinavia and New York and LA. Yeah, that's definitely right? part of so, it for sure. Yeah. Um, well, that's the thing, is right. Like, but yeah, just, a problem we run into with uh, you know Casavetti is in the same way that we run into with like other Hollywood films is they are made in fucking Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> which is not everywhere. It is Hollywood. And that does produce sort of even cultural differences within the films between, like, Amer- American 
Hollywood cinema as a sort of unifying force of American culture is always a bit of a misnomer, right, because of how different it can be at any given time from sort of the median version of American culture, which is which also just doesn't exist, right? Uh, big enough yeah. country and enough people. There's too many American cultures to have a, un- a single unifying force. And Cassavetes definitely represents a certain... In his own time, a certain segment of society, for sure. The kind of people, presumably, possibly the kind of people who, you know, do, you know, I don't know, drink a lot during the day. Yeah. Um, Whatever these characters are doing at any given time, which is a little bit confusing. Whoever wrote the plot synopsis on Wikipedia, obviously, uh, is not familiar with Wikipedia's (laughs) editing... uh, guidelines uh but they end it on a sentence of interpretation that i think is actually for once valid (laughs) it doesn't happen often (laughs) the film offers little hope only a suggestion that in this world merely understanding that we're unhappy or dissatisfied and, and they italicize understanding by the way merely understanding that we're unhappy or dissatisfied is a revelation where where it's enough to recognize that we have these problems. And that's a very Fellini-esque Well, but that's the weird thing, right? Is that, like, in, in the world of Fellini, it's obviously clearly not enough, right? Yeah. But in the world... But he doesn't recognize that it's not enough. Right. Fellini believes he has solved the problems, right? But, like, <laughs> yeah. by knowing that they exist. But, but in, in, a, in a certain way, we've talked about this before, Fellini, in many ways, is not not truly acknowledging his own problems. Yeah. Like he's playing lip service to his own problems in a very peculiar way, right? Whereas Casavetes is talking about something a little bit more intense, which is the fact that especially American society even up to now especially dealing with emotional instability, American society has for a very long time had a very difficult time even with people even acknowledging that they are suffering. Um, yeah, and and he is addressing a very Amer. I believe that Casavetes is addressing a very s- specific American problem, which is that sort of like refusal to even admit that a problem exists, right? Yeah. And you get into kind of like Casavetes almost is like basically talking about like AA or something, right? Where he's like, you know, step one, acknowledge, just acknowledge, right? And he's trying to basically yeah. do step one for every person. At the same yeah. time, which is weird, but I mean, hey, you know, I assume that it's also <laughs> it's also needed for a lot of people too, right? right? And and, and so. in a weird way, it's probably also cathartic for him and a lot of the people who saw the film, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, we will continue. Yeah, no, I mean, the uh, in this in this line not, of thought. We're not even halfway. Yeah, we've got yeah, we've got four uh, three more Casavetes films to watch, but next week we will be doing uh, a woman under the influence. I'm excited about from that. 1974. Uh, yeah, starring starring Gina Roland once again. Rollins, rather, there is an S on that. Uh, and yeah, it is. Uh, 
It's <laughs> it is a very intense movie. Yes, it is. So we we we, we look. I'm I'm looking forward to talking about it. I should say specifically. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to talking about it. Uh, maybe not looking forward to ever watching it again. <laughs> no, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, but yeah, this week it was Faces, uh, released in 1968. Thank you once again for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, Lee Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Oatari Dorgan. That's me. And we'll see you next time. Listening to Lost in Criterion, hosted by John Patrick Oatari Dorgan and the Adam Glass, who edits it. We're a production of WithTwoBrains.com. Jonathan Hape does the music. Check him out at JonathanHape.bandcamp.com. And hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and support us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. We'd appreciate it.